Amen. Good to see all of you this morning. Wow. What a, what a nice group. Especially considering because of our women's retreat and our youth retreat, we probably have about 50 missing this morning. So it's great to have all of you here this morning. And they're having a great time, by the way. Youth are having a great time. Women are having a great time. So we'll just pray them safely back to the valley this afternoon as they end their retreats. This morning we start a new series that's going to last for a couple months in the book of 2 Peter. So if you're wanting to follow along, 2 Peter this morning. In this series, I've entitled Made to Mature. It's all about spiritual growth. We're going to talk for the first few weeks about why we should spiritually grow. But we're also going to talk about, beginning this week, how we spiritually grow. Because it doesn't take too long to begin reading and meditating and studying on Peter to realize that's really his heart. In fact, I don't always do this in my messages, but what I'd like to do this morning is just to begin with the, the passage we're going to be looking at this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to read the first four verses of chapter 1, and then I want us to go over to chapter 3, the very last verse of the book, to verse 18. So if you want to follow along, please follow along with me, beginning at 2 Peter chapter 1. From Simeon Peter a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have been granted a faith just as precious as ours. May grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these things, he has bestowed on us precious and most magnificent promises so that by means of what was promised, you may become partakers of the divine nature after escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. Then 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the honor both now and on that eternal day. From beginning to end, Peter's talking here about growth. We saw in verse 2, grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow. And then the very last verse, but grow. And notice Peter says, grow in two things. Grow in the knowledge and grow in the grace. The last couple of weeks, I've mentioned through my messages on worship how we need to engage with God both with our heads and with our hearts. And in a sense, that's what Peter is saying here, too. He's saying that our growth as a Christian has to, first of all, be in knowledge. We have to continually throughout our Christian life gain a more precise and accurate knowledge of God, of his 
purposes, of his plan, of his will for us and all of that. We've got to continually gain more knowledge, but can't stop there. It can't just be head. It's also, in a sense, got to be heart. I've got to come to God as I gain more knowledge with a humility, a humility that says I've got to continually grow in depending and relying on God so that I can apply to my daily life and make this real practical everything that I'm learning knowledge-wise. So it can't just be that I'm gaining more head knowledge and it's just sitting there. It's got to be that whatever I'm gaining up here, I'm putting forth into practice in my everyday life through his grace or by his grace. Why should we grow? Let's talk about that for a moment. First of all, This should be the only reason, the only motivation, the only inspiration. But the first reason we should desire to grow as a Christian is because it's God's will. God requires us to grow as a Christian. Spiritual growth should be a passionate pursuit of our life as a Christian because that's what God desires. And if we're lining our life up with God, then what he desires should become what I desire as well. So the first reason we should want to grow is because that's God's will for us as his children. Secondly, though, let me share a couple others that we'll be talking about throughout our series. One is another reason we should grow is because The spiritual life is not ever stagnant. If we are not growing, if we are not making progress and maturing as a Christian, then we're automatically regressing and going backwards. There is no such thing in the Bible as I get to a certain place as a Christian and I can just sort of stay at that level. I'm either moving forward or I'm falling backward. That's why you can have a Christian who's been a Christian for, say, five years, okay? They've been a child of God for five years, and they're less healthy, they're less mature at five than they were at two, you see. Or you could have a Christian who's been a Christian for 25 or 30 years, And yet, after all that time, they could be less healthy and less mature than they were when they were 10, you see. Because if we're not going forward, we're going backward. We're always changing for the better or for the worse. So that's part of why we should always want to keep moving forward, because if not, we're going to be falling backward. Another reason we should want to spiritually grow is because, as we're going to see even this morning, we cannot become who God created us to be and saved us to be without growing. We will never reach our potential, spiritually speaking, without, obviously, spiritual growth. Another reason 
we should desire to spiritually grow is we will have a greater positive impact and influence on our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ if we're growing. When you're around a growing, maturing Christian, they're going to be more profitable and more beneficial to your life as you will to theirs. Iron sharpens iron, you see. You want to be wise, you walk with the wise. Another reason we should desire to grow is that we will have a greater influence and impact on those who do not know God if we're growing and maturing. Because the reality of God will be more evident in our life and our witness to the unsaved will be more effective because they will see, not just hear about God from us, they will see the reality of God in us as we're growing and maturing. They'll see the changes that's happening in our own life and they'll see things that they can't explain coming through us that would not be there if we were going backwards spiritually, you see. So there's a myriad of reasons why we should desire as a Christian to grow. Let me say one other thing before we get into the actual passage this morning in 2 Peter chapter 1. You and I should always desire to be part of a church that we can grow in. It's part of the reason why, even at the Oasis, we do things the way we do them here. Because we've always wanted to set up an environment where if people are led to come here, that this is a place where you can grow. You see? If, if you can't grow in the church that you're going to, then you need to find a local church where they promote spiritual growth and create an environment where you can grow, you see. And beyond that, not a lot, don't need a lot of relationships, but it's also very encouraging to at least go through life and navigate each season of life with at least a couple other Christians who have that same heart to grow as you do. Because it's not impossible for you to grow sort of out there by yourself, but it's certainly a lot more challenging whenever you feel like you're the only Christian in your family, the only Christian in your community, the only Christian at work, and maybe even the only Christian that you know of in your church that really has a heart to grow. If you have at least one or two other friends in your life that that's their heart too, then you sort of can sort of get together and you can sort of be that iron sharpening iron and you can create that momentum and that traction for growth. So with all of that said, here's where we want to land this morning. We want to remove any excuse that we might have or that we might come to God with in order to say, well, God, I don't have all that's necessary in order to grow as a Christian. Peter is going to make it very clear to all of us as children of God that you and I will never be able to stand before God one day in heaven and go, God, I would have been more 
I would have reached more of my potential. I would have grown more if I would have had more or if my circumstances would have been different. God is going to refer us back, I think, to 2 Peter chapter 1. So let's look at it this morning, and let's see just a few reasons, not that this is exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination, but just a few of the reasons uh, for Peter telling us how we grow and that we have no excuse as a Christian for not growing. One of the first things I want us to see in chapter 1, verse 1, is even the use of Peter's two names. That even gives us a hint as to where Peter's coming from here. Because you remember, he uses the name Simon Peter, or here in the net, Simeon Peter, same thing. Well, he didn't have the name Peter until Jesus met him, right? And when Jesus met Simon, he says, you're called Simon now, but you will be called Peter. And by the very fact that Jesus gave him that other name, it was sort of a, a, a trigger that this is who you are now, but because of your relationship with me and because of your time with me and all of that, you're going to become one day this guy, a different guy than what you are now. You're going to be transformed. And we see that with Peter. I think that's why Peter had such a heart for, for growth, because he saw in his own life what a difference there was between even the Peter that we saw in the Gospels and the Peter that we see in the book of Acts, who becomes a leader for God and a leader in the early church. So that just didn't, that just didn't happen. Peter grew into that. You see, he matured into that. And that's what will happen when you and I take what God gives us, and as we're going to then see next week, we put forth the effort to all that God has done, you see. That's how we grow. So notice, Peter says, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have been granted a faith just as precious as ours. Let's stop there. First of all, Peter says, all that I'm going to tell us about and remind us of as Christians isn't because we earned it or we deserved it or we merited it in somehow. It's because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we have all these things. It's a gift. All these things, Peter says, are gifts, right? But then notice what he says at the end of verse 1. You have been granted a faith just as precious as ours, the apostles. Peter's basically saying to every Christian in his day and even to us today, do you realize that God, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, he gave you the ability to trust him equal to that of the apostles. That's what faith is. And faith is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are we saved through faith. That faith, it is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. See, even faith, the ability to trust God, is a gift from him. 
you and I wouldn't be able to trust him without him giving us that ability, okay? And Peter is saying, here's why none of us can ever have that excuse of not growing in our faith. Because the same faith that I had to step out of that boat one day and begin to walk on water and trust God at his word is the same exact faith that God gives to you and to me. There, there is no like, well, you know, he gives certain Christians this level and, and that level of faith. No, he's saying it's equal. Now, what we do with it as Christians, obviously, that's up to us. But none of us will be able to stand before God one day and say, well, Peter could get out and walk on that boat because, you know, he, he, had a, a, he had an in. He had an advantage that I don't have. No, same faith, same faith. And how do we grow? Well, it starts with our ability to trust God. Do we really take God at his word and believe him? You see. So Peter starts there. Then he says, verse 2, May grace and peace be lavished or multiplied on you as you grow in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And again, by the way, that word knowledge means a precise and accurate knowledge that is ongoing, a continuously more precise and accurate knowledge. It's like, like anything. The, the more time you spend with someone or something, the more time you study something or whatever, just the more familiar you get and the more things you see as you study. It'd be like going to a museum and, and just sort of gazing at a work of art and just studying it and not taking your eyes off of it. And pretty soon you see things that you might have not seen when you first glanced at it. And it's that idea that over time, as we spend more and more time with God and in his presence and worshiping him and in his word, the more that we see of him, you see. And Peter is saying, I'm, I'm going to pray that, that God's grace and peace be multiplied to you as you grow, because Peter also is saying, here's the deal. I need to throw this in too. He says, if you have a desire to grow as a Christian and you start setting your life in that direction, your spiritual enemy is not just going to sit back and let you go. Your spiritual enemy is going to start blowing all kinds of opposing wind and contrary wind in your direction. Because, see, Satan understands that a person who's not growing, a Christian who's not growing and who's going backward, is no threat to him and his own kingdom. No threat at all. But a growing Christian... A Christian who's determined and diligent to grow and mature, oh, that Christian is a threat to Satan. And so Satan will do everything he can to try to distract a growing Christian, to try to discourage a growing Christian, to try to throw all kinds of roadblocks up. So that's another reason why Peter says, if you commit yourself to grow, I'm praying for God's grace and peace to be multiplied to you because you're going to need a little extra something, something uh, from God to continue to go against the winds that's going to start blowing against you. That's why I tell Christians, 
You know, it's great when you come to a place where you want more of God in your life and you want to, you know, grow in your worship and grow in the word and grow in prayer and grow in fellowship with God and with other Christians and, and grow in your service and all of that. But mark it down. When you set your life in that direction, you're going to face spiritual opposition which means we need to keep growing because we need the strength from our growth to be able to push back against the, the, the things that's going to be coming against us to try to distract and discourage us. Now, let's move on to how we grow. How we grow. Again, this is sort of a two-parter. We're going to continue this next week in verses 5 through 11. So Peter says, I can pray this. I can pray what? I can pray for your growth because I know this. His divine power, not ours, his, has bestowed. It means to generously, lavishly, freely give us everything necessary for life and godliness. Let's stop there. We either believe that or we don't. We're either taking God at his word or we're not. And Peter starts right off by saying, here's what you and I need to come to grips with in our life. God, through his power, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, gave us everything. Not some things. Not most things. He gave us each everything that we will ever need to every life. Everything you and I will need to navigate life and be able to meet life's challenges and demands. And not just be able to endure life, but actually to enjoy life as much as we can. God has given us what we need for life. This past year has been a sort of a, a good barometer of where many of us are as Christians, as far as even our growth or lack of it. Because you have seen, just like in many instances in life, you can throw a bunch of Christians into sort of a similar situation where they're experiencing the same thing, and yet you're going to get different reactions and responses from it. Why is that? We're Christians, right? We all have the same God and know the same God. Why then can Christians experience the same thing, relatively speaking, and yet have a completely different reaction or response? Well... I'll give you one reason. It's not the only reason. But one reason is because some Christians are growing. And their spiritual growth has set them up to respond differently than those Christians who have not been growing and who are regressing. I mean, that's just natural. There's going to be differences of response based on that. And so Peter is saying... You and I have to embrace the truth that, that we never can go through life and go, God, 
I would have responded better to that, but you didn't, you didn't furnish me. You didn't equip me. You didn't outfit me. You did not give me what I really needed to be able to deal with that. Peter said, no, can't say that. He gave us everything for life. And then Peter says, he goes behind, says, he gave us everything to be godly. What's that mean? It means to reflect God in our life and through our life. You see? That's what godliness means. In other words, somebody can look at us and go, like they did the early Christians, they called them Christians first in Antioch, not because Christians called themselves Christians, but because those who weren't Christians looked at these people and said, the way they live and the way they talk and the way they move and all of that, it reminds me of that guy, Christ, Jesus. That's godliness. Whenever our life is reflecting God and him and who he is to others. You could even say God-likeness, if you will, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Everything. See, there are many Christians, the reason why they don't grow is they've never either heard that or they've never really embraced it. Because to them, I, I can't grow. I, I can never become who God created me to be. I, I can't reach my potential because I got this, or I got that, or I'm dealing with this. They, they, nope, God says, I've given you everything. Everything to be an overcomer, everything to be a victor instead of a victim, everything. I've given you everything you need. Not everything you want, obviously, but everything that we need as a Christian in order to grow. Through the rich knowledge, verse 3, of the one who called us by his own unique and unparalleled glory and excellence. No one like God. Let's go on to verse 4. Through these things, what things? The everythings that he's given us for life and godliness. He has also lavishly bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises. Peter now is just pulling out one example of the everything that he's given us for life and godliness. We could say earlier it would have been faith. The same faith that he gave to the apostles like Peter, he gave to each of us when we accepted Christ as our Savior. Another example of the everything he's given us for life and godliness are these precious and magnificent promises. By the way, the word precious means exceedingly valuable. And it reminds me, as Christians do even, do we value the things that God says is valuable? See, God says, my pledges to you, my promises to you, my committal to do certain things, whether they be conditional promises or unconditional promises, those are of great value to me and they should be to you. Are God's promises and pledges valuable to us? Are they of high value? And then he says magnificent or exceedingly great. You see, we have a magnificent God who's given us magnificent promises so that you and I can live a magnificent life if we truly take God at his word. The promises of God, precious and magnificent. Are we, are we 
filling our hearts and our heads with God's promises and pledges. Those things that he assures us about, that through his own self-committal, he says, this is who I am and this is what I will do. Trust me, take me at my word. When you and I embrace these promises, notice then what begins to happen. So that, that's always a purpose statement, middle of verse 4. So that by means of what was promised, you and I may become partakers of the divine nature. Ooh. Now, notice he doesn't say for sure, because huh? as we're going to see, especially next week, the choice is up to us. You and I each have a choice of whether we're going to set our life on a course of spiritual growth or not, whether it's going to be a priority in our life or not, or are we just going to sit back and sort of just let things happen, which, again, we're going to see next week can't be the way that it is. But notice the word become. It's a word that speaks about a change of condition through growth. It's not just who we are, it's who we are becoming. And all of us are becoming someone. The question is, who are we becoming? And am I becoming greater than I was a year ago, a month ago, a week ago? See, as Christians, we should always challenge ourselves with this. Is my life reflecting more of God now than it did a year ago, a month ago, a week ago? It should. Continual growth until the time I go to be with Jesus. Who am I becoming? And again, why should I want to grow? Because if I'm not progressing, I'm regressing. I'm going backwards. That's why sometimes Christians, they scratch their heads like, how could so-and-so, this Christian that I've known for years, how could they end up making such a terrible decision or a terrible choice or doing something like this or throwing their life away? How could they do that? Because they stopped growing at some point. And instead of moving forward with God, they start going backward. That's how. Because that's what happens. If we're not continually going forward, we're going backwards. We're always becoming something. We're all changing. That's why in our relationships with God and with each other, it's never the same. It never is stagnant. It's either getting better or it's getting worse. But it's always moving in some direction. You and I are challenged to become partakers of the divine nature. That's God's will. Sharing in God's distinct nature. You see, that doesn't mean, as some falsely teach, that you and I as human beings become gods. False theology. We will never be God. But God does say in his word, I will in some way share my nature with you so that you can reflect me in your life to others. It's how I divide it is I call it the communicable attributes of God and the incommunicable attributes of God. 
The incommunicable attribute, things that we could never share with God, is we'll never be almighty or all-powerful like God. We'll never be omniscient and know all things. We'll never be omnipresent and be everywhere at the same time. There's certain things about God that will always remain separate because he's God and we're not. But there's other aspects of God's nature that he shares with us. And the best place that I like to look for what that looks like is Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. I can be loving like God through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can be joyful like God through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can be peaceful like God through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can have self-control and gentleness and meekness and all these different fruit of the Spirit by the presence and power of the Spirit taking over my life. That's how I can be a sharer in the divine nature and how people then can see that person loves like God, that person has hope like God, that person has joy like God, that person has peace like God, and we can reflect that. But we're only going to be able to reflect God's divine nature and sustain that reflection as we're growing. If we start going backwards, we're going to look less and less like God. And others are going to see less and less of God in us. Well, one other thing I want to bring out this morning from verse 4. Notice he says, we can become partakers of the divine nature after escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. This is important. What Peter is saying is that through the power of God, when we were saved, God allowed us to make a break from our old life and to be able to move past it and move beyond it. In other words, when Jesus Christ became our Savior, God didn't just half deliver us or three-quarters deliver us. He fully delivered us. And again, that's something you and I have to come to grips with and embrace. Either I believe that or I don't that I have been fully delivered in a sense that when I became a Christian, God broke the power of sin and death in my life. And here's why that's important, because so many Christians, the reason why they don't grow is they're stuck, and, and they're continuing to spin with stuff from their old life and their old ways because they've convinced themselves this is just who I am, and this is just the way I am, and I'm just never going to be able to change, and I'm never going to be able to overcome this. And God says, what about my power? I fully delivered you through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. I broke the power of sin and death. You don't need to live that way any longer. And until we embrace that with our heads and our hearts, we will be stuck in that old life. And Peter says, nope. Doesn't have to be that way. I choose to be that way because I have still not reconciled in my life that the power now in me is greater than any other power. I mean, I either believe that the power of God is greater than any other power or I don't. I either believe that my salvation gave me full deliverance from my old life so that I don't need to be stuck in that way any longer. God says, no, I've removed that. 
And in a sense, a great picture of that biblically are, are the Israelites from the Exodus. God fully delivered them and wanted to fully deliver them from slavery in Egypt, but where, they always wanted to go back. Oh, isn't it better for us back in Egypt? And that's the way many Christians are. Even though God has fully and completely delivered them from their old life and set them free, they just keep going back to the same old stuff because they haven't yet fully come to grips with the fact that head and heart, I've been fully delivered, and I claim that today. I hope you will. We don't have to spin in that and, and be stuck there any longer. God has delivered us out of that miry pit and set our feet on solid ground. And so today, I want God to begin to stir in our hearts here, at least at the Oasis with those who are watching, a realization of, yeah, you know what? I need to really make it a priority for the rest of my Christian life to set my feet to grow. And I need to start figuring out what does that look like? What, what decisions, what choices, what, what things do I need to do? How do I need to reorder my life? How do I need to change things in my life to where spiritual growth becomes the passionate pursuit of my life? Why? Because it's God's will. Two, because if I'm not progressing, I'm regressing. Three, because I'll never reach my potential or be who God created me to be without growing. I will never be an effective witness to those who don't know God unless I'm a growing Christian. I'll never be able to impact and influence my brothers and sisters for Christ as positively as I would unless I'm growing. So many reasons why we should have a heart to grow. And I'm hoping that through this series over the next couple months that our heart will grow larger and greater and bigger to say, God, I want to be a growing Christian. I want to be part of a church that's growing. I want to influence others to grow as well and bring them along. Because, Lord, I realize just how important it is that we as Christians grow like Peter grew. He gave us everything we need. He has fully delivered us. He's given us a faith like the apostles and these great and magnificent promises to cling to and hope to and live by. I think it's time we grow. Let's pray. God, we thank you today that, Lord, we don't have to sit here lacking or deficient in anything, God. That, Lord, we can come and go, you know what? I, I, can, I can do this because you told me I could do this. And I trust you, God. I believe you. I take you at your word. If you said this is what I can do, then I'll, I'll claim it, God. I'll do it. And, God, for those that may be listening or those who may be here that may be stuck somewhere in their old life, I pray that maybe once and for all, God, they have realized today through your word, through your spirit, through the worship that we've experienced here this morning, God, that you have fully delivered us and set us free. 
that you broke the power of sin and death through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, and there's nothing that needs to hold us back any longer. The only thing that's holding us back from growing is ourselves. And God, I want to say before these people today as a pledge to them that as long as I am the pastor of the Oasis Church, I will strive to do everything I can to make this church a place where people can come and grow where we can come and we can grow in our worship, where we can grow in the word, where we can grow in prayer, where we can grow in fellowship, where we can grow in service, but where we're all going along the path of spiritual growth and maturity. Because God, if we're growing, there is nothing like it. It's the best life. We're moving closer to you and closer to who you created us to be. But God, there's nothing worse than a Christian who's been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and who has all that potential and all that growth possible and who's going backwards. God, I pray for maybe some who may be going backwards today, that today was the day they put their foot down and said, nope, I'm not going backwards any longer. I'm turning around and I'm moving forward from this way on. God, would you do a work in our heads and in our hearts this morning as we come to declare that all of your promises are yes and amen. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going we're gonna to end on a positive note this morning. I hope that God has moved in such a way that you're going, yep, I'm there. I want to grow, and I'm trusting God in you. I'm taking you at your word. Let's worship the Lord with yes and amen this morning.